There we go. <clears throat> all right, all right. Hello? Is anybody there? Am I on? Okay. All right, all right. There'll be time after church to continue to talk. You guys can strategize your Halloween costumes. Maybe we should make pumpkin carving night costumes optional. You could wear costumes to pumpkin carving night. I would come as a pumpkin carver. Um, no. Uh, all right, so over the last few weeks, last two weeks, a little bit over two weeks now, um, if I had connected with you at any point, uh, you probably had heard from me that, like, I was in pain. So I'm saying was like it's past tense, um, but I had this crazy back pain. And I want to say, for one thing, this morning I woke up and felt better than I have felt um, in, in quite a while. Like it had been, uh, I turned and when I went to get out of bed, uh, I, my back actually didn't like yell at me. And I put my feet on the ground, I was able to stand up and walk out of my bedroom. But uh, two Mondays ago, <laughs> two Mondays ago, I literally am getting out of bed and it, oh, it hurts so bad. And I went to reach for my phone because I use my phone as like a flashlight to gather them so I don't wake up Heather. And uh, I knocked my phone onto the ground and it slid underneath the nightstand. And so I kind of like inched out of the bed and then I got down on all fours trying to find my phone. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I can't move. I, I literally don't know what I'm gonna do. And I had my Apple Watch on and I was able to kind of activate it enough to shine a little bit of light. And I didn't want to wake up Heather because then I get in trouble. And, um, and so I'm looking for my phone and I, I realized I couldn't even get up and turn on the, and so I sat there with probably, it seemed like an hour. It was probably like 10 or 15 minutes, but um, I just sat there and I was like, what am I gonna, I contemplated like trying to get a pillow off the bed and just laying there on the floor. Like it was just so, so, so bad. Um, and, uh, and, and so, needless to say, uh, God has, I don't, I don't want to call it a sense of humor. Um, I, 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 I don't, I, you know, I don't want to see like he's a masterful orchestrator of me not being, not feeling a lot of peace with the pain in my back. But he's like, hey, this is a great example of you speaking about peace in this Fruit of the Spirit series. Um, you know, and you're dealing with a lot of un, unpeaceful, unrest, you know, a lot of pain. Um, and, and, and so, and for me, that pain, that constant pain, and you probably, I mean, we all can probably think at some point where we had like a constant pain. When you have that something constant in your life that is kind of gobbling up the peace of everything else, it's tough. Like it's, 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 it's a tough place to be in. And for me, uh, that was me over these last couple weeks as I was planning last week. Paul shared with us on patience, and so I had a little bit extra time to be kind of resting in this peace. But uh, I'll tell you what, like over the last couple weeks, I reacted 
in, in not, a not-so-great way merely because I was just in pain. And when you're in that pain, you kind of like, oh, man, you know, oh, geez, you know, I was off. I, I said that out of frustrations or I did that out of, out of, out of the discomfort that I'm feeling in. And so my, my hope for us this morning is we can think about kind of a couple things. We can think about the areas of our lives that, that keep us from experiencing peace in our lives. Um, and something might have come to you, whether the pain triggered something or, or, or you thought of something else that's like a constant in your life that kind of disrupts your peace. Um, uh, and so my hope for us this morning is that whatever that is, uh, what, the, what the Spirit provides and what the Spirit produces for us in this series of uh, Fruits of the Spirit, uh, His presence, what, what it does for us, um, I want us to be mindful of that, and I want us to kind of look at how that may, may apply for us in uh, our current life circumstances uh, as we look at this fruit of the Spirit. Um, Jesus says, uh, in, come to me in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. He says, come to me all who are labored and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says to us to come to him, to present those things to him, and that he will bring us rest. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to kind of the peace and the way we kind of view it, I think rest is a big part of that. This, this point of of, of, of rest and comfort with Jesus and him taking, uh, taking it on for us is a big, is a big part of this. Um, and you might even be in that place where I found, uh, uh, where I found myself where um, you, you might even think peace doesn't even sound like attractive to you because you have so much stuff going on. So much stuff, so much weighing you down, and maybe that's what's dis, uh, displacing your peace. Um, but I, but I asked myself the question: What does rest for my soul really mean? Like, what does when Jesus says, "Come to me, those that are worry, weary, those that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your." Soul, And I thought to myself, do I even really know what that is? Like if I was to really think about it and really contemplate that idea, do I really, at any sort of regularity, experience rest for my soul? Uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, I used to say that that, like, uh, accepted the Lord at 18 uh, at Young Life Camp in Malibu, Canada, and... Uh, at that point, uh, for a handful of years, I used to always say, 
oh, that's my favorite scripture. That's my scripture, you know. The peace that surpasses all understanding. And I would say that I know for a fact that no matter what I'm facing in my life, I am just seconds away from laying my head down on a pillow and experiencing that peace that he offers me. And I would, I would claim that. I would just be like, that's my verse, that's my verse. But in actuality, I was living a life as that being my excuse to not experience that peace. Does that make sense? That I knew that peace was there, that if I laid my head down on my pillow and, and really sought after that peace from, from Christ, uh, I would get it. And so I knew it was there, and because it was there, I could do whatever I want. And I could just busy my life and, and, and pursue things and go after things. And, and knowing that, I mean, I got that to fall back onto if, 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 if needed. And, and I think because of that, I, I never really even understood exactly what peace and rest for my soul and what Jesus offers us really was. And I, and, I, and I know, I don't, I mean, if I'm honest with you, I don't know that I've, to the level where I could, I don't know that I've ever really experienced it. But I know that it's a desire in my heart and in my life that I do. Like, I desire that peace and rest. And I think for us, I think often we can uh, observe some of these things that we've talked about, and especially with peace, we can observe it as something that we would then kind of like every once in a while have to grab a hold of and pull in and use and then, and then know it's there and then grab a hold of it again. And, uh, but, but in actuality, it's, it, it is this idea of a, uh, uh, to allow like the supernatural, to allow the unexplainable, the, 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 the the thing that surpasses all understanding, the supernatural invade our natural life, the life that we naturally live. And that's that peace that this is talking about. That when we allow uh, the transcendent God who uh, surpasses all understanding, as it said, provides something, a, a peace that overshadows and outweighs our current reality, whatever it is that we're facing. And in, in, in order to produce a supernatural moment and like the big of like rest and peace and, 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 and even silence. I liken it to if you've seen um, can I admit that I watched John Wick, the movie, once? I think so. Uh, those action movies, right? And in the middle of, like, the highest, like, a million bullets have been flying through, and he's ninja-kicked everybody, and he hasn't been hit by a bullet, even though, like, a thousand have been fired right at him from ten feet away, you know? And then everything slows down. And the bullets are flying at, like, supersonic slow. Supersonic slow? That doesn't make sense. But they're like slow paced and everything, everything, even though as much chaos as that is going around, everything just slows way down. And when you're watching that movie, you can comprehend and see all of the little things that are happening to make, to make him like super evasive to bullets. Um, but like, you know, like you, 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 you take in everything 
at this slow pace that you can observe and, 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 and experience and relate to everything that is going around in this million-dollar movie shot, right? I liken it to that in our lives where everything just slows down, we're able to comprehend, we're able to, to, to rest in and to experience it all. The burden of weight, uh, of, of weight of life and in, in the people and everything that is going around us, um, it's really magnified these days. Like, we're, we're super aware of everything that is going on around us, but at the fastest pace possible, where we, where we move from one thing for, to another, and we're scrolling, and we're clicking, and we're, like, you know, like, comprehending so much in our lives. And it, and it becomes some of the, the biggest peace stealers in our lives, right? Our interactions with so many people and so many things and so much going on. Uh, think about it. 15 years ago, uh, how many of you have ever had somebody like, like kind of annoyed by you, frustrated by you, uh, maybe even uh, super negative towards you? Just a few of us. I thought it was just going to be me and you, Tim. But it's like, we've all had it, right? So think about that 15 years ago. Maybe 20. 15 years ago, if you had one person mad at you, and that person got really upset, and they were going to try to ruin your life, what would happen? Like, he would tell two of his friends, and then there'd just be three stupid people that, that were mad at you, right? And that was it. That was as far as it went, right? But today, how does that look? If somebody's mad at you and they're on Facebook and, and, and they're messaging and they're texting and they're like letting the world know, you know, that could happen to you. I don't know. But, but, but even if we think about it, there's people online that aren't even talking about us that post things that we read that then offend us, that then like frustrate us. And then we're like mad at this person that we don't even know that made a comment that wasn't even about us. And it's like, Bruh! you know, like. Like, and we give all the power to these screens and keyboards, and the effect is the disruption of our peace from something that isn't even related to us. And that's like the level to which that we're kind of exposed to in our current reality of where we're at now, right? And nowadays, that's what it is. We give our peace away to these Things that are, you know, 20 years ago, we might not even know. We've been insignificant, but we've allowed them to nowadays. And we're so easily kind of taken out. We so easily get lost down the track of, uh, or the trail of these peace-stealing moments, these uh, things that pop up in our lives that then disrupt, uh, disrupt our peace and disrupt what Christ would want us to experience and, and, and really dive into and enrich our lives uh, currently. And we all know that, uh, that when we get lost down those roads, it's not too far until we're really lost, unless, we're a guy, unless you're a guy, because guys never get lost, and we, we don't need directions either. So, uh, right? That was a joke. Laugh. Okay. We, okay, thanks. <laughs> They were laughing online. We heard you guys. Um, 
But, but, but the truth is, is we do get lost. We do get off track in, in, in certain situations. And we, we find ourselves, when we're in those positions, we're far from peace. We're far from peace. Um, and, 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 and Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. Right? Jesus comes, I have come to seek and save the lost. He uses the analogy of sick or lost all throughout Scripture, but he says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. That he's come to, to bring peace to those that are lost, to bring direction, to bring meaning. The Prince of Peace, Jesus is referred to. And how great is it to, 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 to be able to have that truth that when we are lost, Jesus came so that we would be lost no more. Jesus came to put us in that position of peace and understanding. To describe us and to, to lead us into these ten, lead us away from these tendencies that we use, that we that we seem to have in our lives. Um, I think for us, oftentimes, we think of peace as something that is obtainable. We've talked about this a lot with these spiritual gifts, things that we obtain and we go after and we adapt and we work at really hard. And I think uh, really when we look at these things and, and definitely when we look at peace, peace is an element of spiritual health. So it's an element of, uh, of, of our ability to be in a healthy place with Jesus. To be in a healthy place spiritually where we've allowed him to be the one that slows everything down and we comprehend everything through him. And it's not that we would be absent of pain or chaos or uncertainty or uh, whatever the opposite, whatever you think the opposite of peace is or whatever it is the thing that you kind of have come to mind so far for you to try to, that steals your peace. I mean, I think oftentimes we can think of the opposite as that, well, does that mean we're going to be absent of pain, absent of unrest, absence of chaos? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But I think oftentimes as a church, as the world for sure, but even as the church, I think we value, uh, we, we uh, elevate uh, accomplishment and accomplishing, we elevate gifts and ability to do things over health. And I think we've done that as a church. Like, if you're good at something, we're going to elevate that, and we're going to, like, put that on display. We're going we're gonna, to uh, maybe even push you forward into a position where we display that gift and that ability that you have rather than resting in the idea of spiritual health and being in a healthy place and position with Christ, with the one that is leading us and guiding us in our lives. I found myself this last week giving advice to a friend who was down on their luck, like in a, in, in a season of life where they were in a little bit of despair. And I was like, well, man, like, like, what are you doing for, like, you know, for fun, for your hobbies? What are you doing for work? Like, you just got to get out there and, and do the things that are going to make you feel good about yourself. And I stepped back and I was like, oh, I don't know, and I, and I even caught it right in the moment. And there's an element of, like, being in despair and actually accomplishing something. I call that, like, getting your hands dirty. Like, actually getting in there and getting your hands doing something rather than being in a, in a place of um, stagnant life. 
Like there's an element of getting out of the stag stagnicity. Is that a word? That's a pretty cool word if it's not. Stagnicity. Colby, is that a word? No, not a word. All right. Um, but to get out of that stagnant point in your life, to get out and do something, but there's an element of just getting healthy before you even try to accomplish everything else in your life. And when we elevate our works and our gifts and our ability, and, and when we elevate those things in our life, we, 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 we get in this lane of manufactured peace. Where, we, where we've accomplished things and we've manufactured a portion of our lives that we feel really good about that, that gives us the sense of success, which then for us equals like peace. Like I, I'm more successful, I feel good about myself and I'm peaceful, right, with everything that I've got going on or I'm running, the, running that race and just going after it over and over and over. But we, we, we take an element of that and, and attest it to that performance, that gift versus uh, work given, right? And I think we can, we can do that and manufacture this piece rather than look at the health, the spiritual health of connecting with, uh, with, with Christ and our creator uh, and what he would want and what the origin of peace is, the prince of peace is uh, in our lives, uh, which, is, which is really that manufactured peace is only as deep as our own understanding of what we're doing. It doesn't transcend anything else other than our own understanding of things. And so my question for us is where, and the answer is all everywhere, but for you, where in your life are you doing things different than the world? Where in your life are you doing things different than the world? And I ask that with this idea of, of approaching peace and approaching an understanding of peace through uh, the creator of it, through, uh, through Christ, right? The world doesn't provide peace. It, it hasn't. Like, it just hasn't, right? Um, and we do what the world is doing and wonder why we don't have peace. And we get lost in the ways of the world and swept up and run off course. And I, and I alluded to it a little bit with the kids, but um, peace does not come from the world uh, or the idea of you choosing what brings you peace, right? It does not come from you getting tuned in with your inner self and who you think you are and, and who you want to be in your life. That is not where peace comes from. And I wanted to say that to the kids this morning, but I didn't, but I, I, I want to say that to you this morning. Peace in your life does not come from you getting in tune with your inner self to produce what you want in your life. Peace comes from you getting in tune with the one who created you with the greatest meaning and purpose in your life. 
Does that make sense? Okay, got a couple amens. Want to make sure, I, I mean, I like want to step and stomp on your toes, but I didn't want to, right? Like it comes from us getting in tune with the one who created us, with the greatest purpose and meaning ever, and us getting in tune with him and his truth and his understanding so that we may understand what we were created for and to be and to do and to, to step into. It comes from a God who says you are loved, um, you are image bearers, you are created in his likeness, you are created with great purpose and meaning, and we get stuck, and we can get stuck our entire lives of going after something that we feel we should be in our lives. I've spent like serious seasons of my life identifying with something that wasn't even negative, but holding on to that and what I wanted to be in that rather than what Christ had for me. That was a title. I was a youth pastor. And then when I left the church, I was like, well, I used to be a youth pastor. <laughs> like I, would ha I held on to it long enough that I still wanted to identify myself as something that I thought was hugely valuable and, and, and made like gave me some of the most purpose in my life, but I was, I was focused on the, the title and the, the season that I was in rather than what Christ had for me right now and the peace that he had for me post that season of my life that I was like, oh, I really identify with this and this is me, you know? And, and, and it's even more than just a job or a status or money or accomplishment or, or a perceived peace. The world and its brokenness can throw hurt and pain and suffering and, on, and uncertainty and chaos. Right? Peace comes out of the rising up above it all. I, 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 I think of the book of Job. Uh, not the most pleasant of reads in the Bible, but I think of the book of Job and the story of Job and, uh, and, and, I, and I think of our lives and I think of how often we can be naive that maybe we aren't going to experience the pain and the suffering and the uncertainty and the, the loss uh, and the chaos. Uh, but if we look at the book of Job, and I, and I brought it up a couple weeks ago, Paul referenced it last week, uh, Satan literally makes a bet with God in the book of Job. Uh, God looks at Job and says, man, Job's a pretty good guy. He's a pretty good guy. And, um, and, um, and then Satan goes, eh, I actually don't think he's that good. I think I could take him. I think I could knock him off his feet. And God's like, nah, I think Job's a pretty good guy. I think he would withstand it. And Satan's like, you want to bet? And God's like, have at him. He's an upstanding guy. Have at him. And... Um, and if you know that story, uh, Job loses everything. Job loses family, friends, material, uh, livestock, value. I mean, th all the things that attest to money that in our day, he lost all of that stuff. And he just lost everything. Um, and God said, in, in, uh, in, uh, 
And it's, and it's not like God sat back and orchestrated that like he maybe, like he didn't orchestrate my back pain so that I would like, like God doesn't work that way. Uh, but he allows the situations and circumstances that we have to, 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 to bring us to a better understanding of, he, of who he is. But that, that, that he, he, in that moment, says, have Adam and let Satan kind of uh, get at Job a little bit. Um, and it, and it <clears throat> for us, um, in this story and looking at it, is Job loses everything. And for us in our lives, we can think of it as like God never promises this blissful honeymoon for the rest of our lives when we accept him and, and when we say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to put all my faith and trust in him. He's like, ah, oh, honeymoon period for the rest of your life. You know, like blissful, woohoo! Like that's not, that's, that's not actually written anywhere in there. God actually says, you're going to face trials. You're going to face temptations. You're going to have hardships. He actually says, all throughout scripture that you're going to find great meaning and purpose in those times in your life and i'm going to use them for for my kingdom and for my glory right which is the same in this story of job as well um and and and, and in this job didn't act out of blind stupidity he didn't act out of superstition uh he didn't act out of even like a childlike faith in this like job rested in his faith in god and because of that, you know, whatever he faced, whatever happened to him, and you can read through the book, um, he was going to be all right. He was going to be faithful to God. He was going to have peace in that faithfulness to God. He wasn't going to have... Uh, a resolve to himself. He wasn't going to listen to his friends who said he was deserving of it. He wasn't going to um, allow the, the, that hardship and calamity to derail him. He was going to, you know what, God, I have faith in you. And for us, our trust is in, that, in, in, in God's spirit in our lives. And as we've looked at this fruit of the spirit, uh, we have to trust in its role, right? Upon accepting Christ, upon putting our faith in him, we are filled with his spirit. And then the role of the spirit, you know what the role of the Holy Spirit is? I think oftentimes we think it's like the good cop, bad cop. Like we got the devil over here saying, do this, do this. And we got the Holy Spirit over here saying, nah, you shouldn't do that. You should do this, right? I mean, that's the easy, like, kind of understanding we have. Like the spirit leads us to the things that we should do. And if we can just ignore this one, then we'll listen to this one and we'll do the right things, right? And, and, and the Spirit tells us what he wants us to do. Like, that's a, that's a pretty, and, and, and it's not even completely wrong, that definition. And it's actually quite helpful in life to listen to God's Spirit. But you want to know what the role of the Holy Spirit is? The role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. That is the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to God. Has little to do with us. Does that make sense? That the Spirit will lead us to glorifying God. He's not going to lead us into our best life. He's going to lead us into glorifying the creator of life and what he desires for us to do with our lives. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. We get to be a part of that. We get to 
step into that. We get to grab a hold of that. We get to live that out. Man, how great is that? I, I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps to think that I could just be led to glorify God in everything that I have. That's the role of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's and his gifts are not focused on what we get out of it. Right? We already established it's not about what we want. It's not about what, where, where, where we want to lead our lives, where we want to go with our lives. All the Holy Spirit wants to do is to glorify Jesus. And in turn, when we have, when we have this peace of Jesus from the Holy Spirit, we then glorify Christ in the way we respond whether it is the chasing of things or the uncertainty of chaos and, and, and disruption and all those things, we get to, in all of those seasons, step into the Holy Spirit and allow Him to, to glorify our lives for God. It's not like, uh, you know, that new television show or TV movie, Shazam? All these ordinary people have like superhuman powers and then they save people. Like that's a great, it's a great movie. But that's about like their powers and ability to do things to like right the world. Right? For us, it's it's God's power and ability to right the world and to be glorified by his spirit leading us to do his work. Nothing to do with a superpower that we might have in our lives. And if we really think about it, the Holy Spirit is the bringer of peace. He brings peace to our lives when we're walking in tune with the Godhead, the, the Trinity. With God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we are walking in that, that, that part of our lives, we then have that peace to glorify Him. And Job... Ultimately, as the devil moved in and he lost everything, he lost his family, he lost his livelihood, all of his possessions were destroyed. Uh, you know, uh, it says there in Scripture that he had a horrible backache. No, he had like a skin disease. He was, like, I'm not liking myself to Job. Not at all. Um, but he's scraping off the skin disease while he's sitting at a fire Burn bands lifted, fall. Like, is there anything more like peaceful than sitting around a campfire and staring at the dancing flames? Like God shows up with Job at the fire and he's having this conversation with God. And, uh, and, um, and in this conversation over this fire, I just love that picture. Of the, I mean, I love the fish fry, fish fry fire on the beach. I love this one. Uh, it's Job 40 and 41. There's this crazy explanation of the Leviathan, and, 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 it, and it talks about who God is specifically. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and in that conversation, God says to Job, I'm God. Like, I, I've got it. I'm in control. He honors Job's faithfulness. He rebukes Job's friends for saying, like, you deserve it. Like, but, like, he, in, a, in an essence, you can read it, 40, 41, and then in the end, God says to Job, I am God. And God forth, comes forth to say that, and he wants Job to understand who he is. And in Job 42, 3 through 5, he says this. Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, 
things too wonderful for me, and this is Job, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I have heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. And there's a moment where Job, in the midst of this conversation, in the midst of chaos and everything that is going on around him, Job sees God for who he is and his faithfulness and everything that he's faced. And Job, throughout the story of everything that he faced and everything that he went on, sought to know God more. In the midst of all chaos and uncertainty and, and, and lack of peace and unrest and grief, Job, Job sought to know God more. Church, when we understand that the Spirit of God is not something that serves us, or that leads us specifically, but that glorifies God, like a, a, an idea that's much bigger than ourselves, when we can have faith in the God of Jacob and the God of Moses and the God of Job and the God of Jeremiah, the God of Paul that's written all these things, the God, the, the God of the blind man, the God that was healed, like that God, when we understand that the, the, that the spirit of God's purpose is for us to then glorify God in our entire life, not obtain what it is that we want next in our life, but to glorify God holistically outside of our little lane of life, when we can do that, when we can put our faith in a God like that, that's when we're like milliseconds away from peace. When we can actually rest and be assured of our ability to step into that, which is way bigger than ourselves and go after this essence of peace that is this fruit of the Spirit being in us, that is producing fruit, and that fruit that is produced is, the, is, is that of which that glorifies God. And when we can do that, man, we're in tune with what he desires for us. We are in a position where, where no matter what it is, no matter what it is that we're facing, no matter what it is that we have going on in our lives, we can be rest assured that God is in control, that he is the one that is, that is uh, glorifying himself through the church and through the people who desire his will in their lives. Amen? I'm going to invite the band to come forward as I pray. <clears throat> Lord, um, Lord, we we uh, we thank you this morning that uh, that you are here with us, uh, that you desire personal relationship with us, that you uh, actually desire uh, what is best for our lives. 
uh, Lord, that you want us to have that, uh, that you desire for us to step into those, those, that life that you have for us, Lord. But from where I stand right now, and, and you guys can agree with me if you want, but from where I stand right now, I am so thankful to you, God, that the story is so much bigger than myself. Lord, that the desire of your heart is way bigger than me. It is me, but it's way bigger than me. And I thank you that... Um, that you chose me to be a part of it, that you chose us to be a part of it. Lord, that you, uh, that you actually bring us together with common purpose and meaning and, uh, and mission, Lord. Lord, but I think that it, I'm thankful that it is, uh, that ultimately it all is to glorify you or to make you known to rest in and have faith and trust in trust in you not in ourselves not in what we can manufacture but in you and so i pray this morning that as we probably all are desiring peace hopefully desiring peace a little bit more may we recognize that the the peace that we desire that we go after that we seek in our lives lord i pray for the origin of that peace to be your glory and not uh, our purpose, but your purpose, Lord. And so, Lord, as we sing these last two songs, may you, may you lead us further into that personal relationship with you so we, we may understand uh, what it is that you want to be glorified for, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.